Good morning, everybody. Are you glad to be a child of God? Man, I don't know about you. I, I, I wanted to run and worship today. You know what I'm saying? You ever feel that way? Just kind of like a old, you know, fashion Holy Ghost a few times around. It's like, what's, what's he doing? I don't know, but he's having fun, you know. Man, God is so good. He's good, everybody. I said he's good, everybody. Oh, man. Well, we have got into a series. We started last week. If you missed last week, it's okay. We got a few more weeks of this series. You can always go back to the podcast and check it out. But this series is a relationship series that we're calling Get Your Ship Together. Can you look to your neighbor and say, Get Your Ship Together? Ah, now be careful. Be careful. We're talking about friendships and fellowship and get it, you get it. And so listen, now last week we started the series and it was so important. Before we get into a lot of other types of relationships that we have, we want to get some foundational things going. And so last week we started the series talking about that idea that if we're going to get our ship together in relationships, we've got to get our spiritual ship together first, correct? And so what we covered last week was the idea that who is your captain? And as Christ followers, that should be an easy answer. Our captain is, let me say it again, our captain is, and you're like, okay, that's deep, Pastor Ross, that sounds like a little kindergarten Sunday school class type lesson, it's cheap. But listen, as his followers, so often we don't live in such a way that we act like he's captain of our boat, right? Right? And so we kind of pushed a little last week, and just the idea that I don't expect those outside this house, I don't expect those that don't have a relationship with Jesus to make Jesus captain, but I do expect those who say Jesus is Lord of their lives to treat him as captain over their vessel. Come on, right? And so with that, we looked at what that means. We also looked last week to see that we're all following in the captain's mission. He has a voyage that we're all on, and we want to be sure the purpose of the church is in the direction of the captain. Amen? And so we looked at that, and the final thing last week, there was expectations that I can have of you and expectations that you can have of me. And remember, the center of those expectations all flowed out of devotion. Say devotion. And the Bible talks how they were devoted to a few things. And we looked last week at those things. And if you missed the podcast, go back and look. Because as Christ followers in the mission of God, in the vessel of God, we have fellowship with the devoted, those believers. And we're headed in a direction to do what God calls us to do. That's the first thing we should get in order. If we don't have that in order, we'll never get anything else in order. Amen? And so now what this week we're looking at is getting the most out of out of our relationships. This week what we're looking at is another foundational principle. We're not going to get into per se just yet friendships. We're looking at that next week. We're not going to get into our spousal relationship. We'll look at that in a couple weeks. We're, we're not getting into what it looks like to have a relationship with those that do not call themselves Christ followers. We're looking at that in a few weeks, but some foundational things. And it's so important to get all this right because relationships in our life are what God will use to bring benefit to your life. How many here you've been benefited by a relationship that you have? Many of you know me. You should be raising your hands. <laughs> I'm, I kid. I'm teasing. I'm kidding. No, no, no. But let me ask you this. How many here, to the detriment of your satisfaction, joy, and peace, you have some relationships? Be honest. To the detriment. Oh, yeah, yeah. When God created Eve from Adam, he said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And every woman in the house said amen, right? 
It's not good for man to be alone. When God created man, he created man in his image. And the image of God is a triune being. There's community within the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three separate but three one. Three individual, but three in unison. It's, it's, it's an unusual kind of trichotomy that takes place there. And he created himself, not himself, he was all that he was in unity. And then he says to us, we're created in his image. So there's a sense of longing for community. There's a sense of longing for relationships that we have. And there's a benefit that God places through relationships. So doesn't it make sense if God knew that from the beginning, that the enemy of your heart would challenge you most in the relationships that you have and the connections you have with other people. Yeah, it makes sense because the enemy of our heart would love to rob us from God's best at every turn. And so what we're looking at today is the foundational principle secondary to the idea that God is Lord of everything. He's the captain and this is his mission and we are his crew. But the next base of principles is this. We're going to be looking at the subject of contentment and comparison. We're going to have a good time today. <laughs> See, what it is, I believe relationships should foster a sense of contentment in our lives, but often because of comparison, we are led to a state of discontentment. You know, there was people that came in here today, and you looked at Pastor Ross, and you became so discontent with yourself. <laughs> you are like, if I could be so cool and handsome and talented, you know. And that creates jealousy in you, and I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. God, God will deliver you, okay? But listen, on the other side, comparison works this way. You came in here, and you're like, ooh, I'm glad I'm not like him. You know? This week was bad for you, but you looked at this, this grill, and you're like, at least my teeth are straight, you know? Shut up, shut up. That's not funny. That's not, that hurts, okay? But no, no, and it leads to, everybody say, pride. You see how bad comparison can be? It can rob you on both sides. So sometimes comparison will lead to discontentment with others. You start comparing lives and things you see that other people are doing, and you got discontentment in that area. Other times it leads to discontentment with our own lives, how we feel about ourselves. Either way, if you can't find contentment, you will never get your ship together when it comes to relationships. You just won't. It will rob every relationship you have. Envy and pride will rob every relationship. If you can't find contentment, if you walk in discontentment, it will rob from you. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Philippians today, chapter 4. Go ahead and turn to it. While you're turning to it, the person that wrote this should have been discontent. It's written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. He writes this from a Roman jail cell. And in that, he should have been discontent. But Paul had an amazing perspective when it came to life and able to be able to see things through a Christ-like perspective. And it's beautiful. And so I want us to stand to our feet as we read together Philippians chapter 4. So often when you hit this passage, you jump down to verse 12 and 13 or you meander around verse 8. And those are really popular. I want to jump up to verse 1 and work our way down through. Is that okay? And what I want you to see is I don't believe it's an accident that Paul had such contentment. I believe a lot of the contentment that he possessed was because of relational health or his view of relationships, his importance he put on others and on people and on connection and on shared purpose and vision. Watch where I, I find this. It says in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, say brothers, whom I love and I long for. That's relationship, isn't it? He's calling the people he's writing his letters, my brothers, 
He goes on, he says, stand firm for my joy and my crown. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Udia, and I entreat this guy that I don't know how to pronounce his name, <laughs> to agree in the Lord. You see that? Agree. He wants Udia and Sinbad over here. <laughs> he wants them to agree in the Lord. That's relationship, isn't it? Yeah. He says, yes, I ask you also, true companion. Help these women who have labored. Everybody say side by side. side, by side. See, I, I love this. This is beautiful. He goes on. They've labored side by side with me in the gospel together. Say together. together. With Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Doesn't it sound so relational? This guy's heart's full of people and the memory of people and the work of people. And, and he just he loves people. You can see it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always again. I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and by supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, there it is again, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. But Paul has a, a, a propensity to frame things in a positive way. He has a propensity. He's in a jail cell, y'all. But here he's like, whatever's good, think on those things. He says, if it's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We'll come back to this idea of peace in a little bit. Verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. Watch. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in, in, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And now he defines the secret. You ready for this? He says, I've learned the secret to abound and to be abased, to have and to not have. He says, here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. Father, ask today that you would help us, Jesus, as we leave here, that we wouldn't only be hearers of your word, but we would be doers, and that, Lord, we would leave here with just a, a, a sense of contentment in who you are and who you've made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat. The idea of contentment, it's a state of happiness and satisfaction. He, he said here that the peace of God would guard your heart and your mind. The word peace is shalom, at least to the Hebrew mind. And when a Jewish person would say shalom to you, they're literally saying to you, I want you to walk with the absence and lack of nothing. I want all your supplies to be I want everything that you have need of, all that longing of your heart, all those things that would bring discontentment, may God satisfy that heart of yours. May you go on your journey complete. And that will and that, play out in every country, guys. I've been to third world countries where you look and you think they don't have much. They are abased. They don't have much. They're not abound. And you think, wow, they have a dirt floor is all they have, but with the broom in hand made of leaves as they sweep their dirt pour, floor, they're singing praises to God. I love it. Poderoso y grande es nuestro Dios. 
poderoso y grande es. Yeah, I mean, they're. <laughs> I knew you like that. But they're content. But the televangelists in America would say, you're not walking in the blessing of God. Because if you're walking in the blessing of God, you'll have a nice big car and a nice house. And, and all I can think is that person I've met in the third world country, they're walking in the peace of God. They got the joy of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit moving in and through their lives. And they're not lacking a thing. And there's a sense of contentment. And it's awesome. But we in America would tell them, you need more stuff if you want to be able to call yourself blessed. And we know that's not true. Amen? My prayer is that over the next 20 to 50 years in America, the church will face persecution to the degree that we'll be left with very little but Jesus. That'd be awesome. Ooh, man. Wouldn't it be fun, just us and Jesus and like nothing else? No buildings. I mean, I I like the building, but it's a a box, you know? And and, and, and God, we're in the woods. Whatever it takes. Okay, I don't want to be in the woods. But still, whatever it takes, you know? There's people all around the world. They find contentment in Jesus. And they find fellowship with their family and God. And they make a huge impact and a huge difference. Man, God bless America with that. Amen? And so that idea of peace that passes all understanding, that guards hearts and minds, that's contentment. That's that state of happiness and satisfaction. And here's the problem when it comes to comparing all the time. The more we compare, the less we are satisfied. Is that true? I loved it when I went from my first brick of a phone, big old Motorola phone, you know. I mean, it was huge. And then I got my first, I got one in a little palm. I forgot, Paul made a little, little. well, everybody said it was like a girl phone, you know. But I got little hands, so it worked. And um, a little tiny puck of a phone. It was like a little puck. And, and, and then that was cool. And then I got my first iPhone. <gasps> Heavens opened, you know. It was amazing. And then every sequential application of a new iPhone that comes out, you got to have it, right? And you grow so dissatisfied when, oh, you can do that with that? No way. You can see infrared? Wow. So the more we compare, the less we are satisfied. And here's the problem with comparison. Often we compare other people's highlight reels to our behind-the-scene realities. And we don't measure up. We see what everybody else puts out there. The star child, right? The, 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 the star vacation, the star new purchase, the highlight reel of everybody's life. But the honest truth is we all, behind the scenes, have our hurts and our pains, but we don't tout that. We don't put that out. And so we feel like losers because we see the best of their best while all aware of the worst of our worst at every turn, right? Man, can you see how bad comparison can be? One of the most amazing ladies in our church, we have a lot of amazing people in our church, posted this this week about this subject, watch this. As we approach the end of year awards, honors, and celebrations, I write this to those parents whose children are average, normal, and completely unremarkable according to grades, leadership, and awards. Now, let me make a little, little parenthetical insert, okay? I think this woman's children are above average, way, okay, they're not normal, they're amazing, 
or something like that. You know, they're, they're, they're stars in my eyes, okay? I think they're amazing people. But this is, this is her take, and I think this is beautiful for us to see. May we band together to celebrate our children as they are, as they will be, and as award-winning in our hearts. May we look past all the accolades that others assign and look to who God has created them to be. May we cling to the ways they are amazing that are not always recognized. Finally, my prayer for myself is that I rejoice with those who are rejoicing and do not fall for the lie that I have fallen short as a parent because my child is not celebrated on Facebook. Hashtag, I choose to see the best. Woo, let's praise God that we're average. Woo! Come on, everybody, we're average. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this week it was so neat because I read that and I thought, well, you know, I did post a picture of my son who graduated eighth grade and I post a picture with his certificate because you don't know the miracle that was. <laughs> I'm serious. Grant was in the first service and he was just like, oh, man, you know. There's times we laid hands on that boy and there's times we laid hands on that boy, you know. And so I did. I posted because I, I, was, I, was, I was celebrating, you know. But she's absolutely right, you know. That idea of seeing all that. You know, that you have people who are, I hate to say it this way, working moms and stay-home moms. And even when that comes out my mouth, it's wrong. Because the stay-home mom's going to go, mm, I work as much as anybody, maybe more. And she does. You just don't get paid for it. Except for sweet love. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> now listen. <laughs> What'd you throw? Listen. All I'm saying is, now don't compare, <laughs> okay? Don't compare. But no, when it comes down to it, that working, for lack of a better term, the working mom, the stay-home mom, or the stay-home at work, the, the working home mom, I don't know. You get those. <laughs> Let's just keep with this. The, working home, the work at home mom will look at the stay home mom and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not Pinterest perfect. You know, I, I don't have my house all completely together because I'm working all these crazy hours. My husband's working. I run home. We try to get the kids to this and try to get the kids to that. And Man, so they look at the stay home mom. You've got things. You actually have scheduled craft time with your children. Isn't that sweet? What a good mommy you are because you have scheduled craft time and we, and we take field trips. You know, it's just beautiful. And the working mom's heart goes, I wish I could do that. But for our bills, for the sake of what we're going through, there's no way we can cover what we need to cover if I'm not working. It breaks my heart. And then the stay-home mom looks at the working mom and says, oh, you have clothes that don't have spit-up stains on them. You know, you have another hairstyle other than ponytail. And, and, and rocker shag, I'm teasing, I love, I, love, I love, Amy, tell them what, come here, come here, this is awesome, come here, you weren't in the first service, this is good, I didn't say this in the first service, but my wife, I love her hair, check this hair out, tell them what you tell people all the time, because she gets compliments all the time about her hair, it's like, girl, you hair on fleek, girl, and, um, and then when they say that, she say, so I will just, uh, you're on fleek, girl, with that hair. Don't you love that? <laughs> she doesn't have time to do both sides, so just keeps one. I love that. Shave one and then comb the other. That's, that's cute. 
And so, but just that idea of contentment. And so we need to expose discontentment in our lives. We really do. If we're going to have relational happiness and success in other relationships, all the relationships that we have, we can't walk in life discontent. It, we've got to expose that discontentment. And so here's a few areas that we need to dis, dis, expose in discontentment. The first is material and financial, right? You see somebody else's car, and it's like, are you kidding me? I'll give you an example. Auburn Elizabeth and I pull up to pick up Grant at school, and this beautiful four-by-four, brand 2016 new Toyota pickup truck comes and pulls up beside, and to put insult to injury, momentum orange. It pulls up beside us. And I look at Auburn, I'm like, dude, look at that truck. All my kids know I love trucks. I'm like, look at that truck. She's like, oh, yeah, that's a kid from my class. No, 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 no. Kid from your class, you're a junior, should be a senior. Yeah, he just got his license, and his mom and daddy bought him that car. No, 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 I was so, I was, oh, I was wrong. I, com- I compared, and he came up lacking, you know? No, first cars need to be $800, 1981, Datsun 310, you know? That's, that's what it needs to be. That's got a, a vice grip holding the, 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 the door. This kid doesn't even know what this means. You call that a truck? No. No. It's wrong. I'm serious. Man, my first car had 310 dots that I had. It had, remember the fuzzy seats? I had the black fuzzy because the things were tore all pieces. And she would get out, and the first part of our date walking up to dinner would just be me getting fuzz, fuzz off of her, you know? Never complained about getting fuzz off of her. <laughs> okay, we got <laughs> Okay. Could be a house, you know? You go and you see a house that a friend has, and you're like, I know that we make as much as, we could have that nice house. It could be recreational experiences. And, you know, a friend of mine, Jack Millay, he's a Cajun. He's about 70 years old. We detect together, metal detect. He's on a seven-day kayak trip in some Louisiana river right now. I'm so jealous. Oh, you know, I'm not 70 years old. I don't have time for, someday, you know. Maybe relational discontentment that we need to expose. Not just material, but relational. You know, you're single, and you see all these marriages. You're like, if I could just be married, you know, and you're discontent relationally. Or maybe you're married, and you see all these singles. Those were the days, you know. And so relational discontentment, you know, it could be that. Um, I had one recently that really, really broke my heart, you know, um, Grant got in, didn't get invited. Well, here's what happened. I get a call from a friend um, from Debbie, and my son's going on a hiking trip. And, and do you have some gear he can use? Well, yeah, I got gear. We, we love to hike. So he comes over. Luke comes over. I give him a great pack and a sleeping bag and, 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 and um, 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 hammocks and water bottles. There's nothing the boy doesn't need. And he goes on the trip, and I see a Facebook post. And when I look at it, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. That boy's in Grant's class, that boy's in Grant's class, that boy's in Grant's class, Luke's in Grant's class. All these dads 
Pastor Ross didn't get invited. <laughs> and I laugh because it hurts. And it was. It was kind of like, are, are you kidding? And then my mind starts going, oh, I know what they thought. Mm-hmm. They thought that fat preacher, he won't be able to keep up. And so we ain't going to invite him and Grant because they'll just be talking all the time and be like lagging behind, you know. And so we're not, but we'll take it. Oh, he's good enough to get his stuff but not take, you know, not take him on the. And, and then I'm looking at the picture and I swear this is what I'm doing. I'm going, are you kidding me? That guy's overpacked. That ride, that's not packed. That, that is pulled way up on his. It, no, 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 no. Those are the shoes? No, 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 no. You know, right, Mitch? Yeah, yeah. My, high, my camping buddy. And so I'm looking at just like, just ripping them apart, you know. And, um, but the, the essence of it was what? A relational discontent. I was discontent. I was upset that Grant and I. Now, the truth of the matter is, if they would have invited, I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going, you know. <laughs> right? Maybe relational Discontentment might be in the area of time with kids. And you see people posting all this stuff with their kids. And daddy's throwing pitch at the, at the little baseball game. And, and, and you're working three jobs, dad. And you see it and your heart breaks because you're a good dad. But in order for mom to be the stay-at-home mom, maybe you have to work three jobs. And that's a commitment you've made. And now you're working, working, working. And you can't be that coach dad that everybody, oh, you're such a good coach dad. And your heart's breaking because you see people with time with their kids. And you don't have the time with, with yours. Maybe circumstantial things that need to be exposed when it comes to discontentment. At this point in my life, I thought I would be here. And others in your life are, you know. Amy and I are getting ready to have our 25th class reunion. Or I am. She's a couple years behind in June. I'm not going. Um, we got some other plans. But, I, okay, I wasn't invited. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay. But when it comes down to it, um, you know, I thought I would be at this point, and others are, and so you find that sense of discontentment. And then in the first service, and I can't fake emotion, so I'm not going to, if I get emotional, I will. If I don't, I don't. But the first service, it surprised me. I did not expect this. When it comes to circumstantial things, you are a couple that have been praying to have a baby, and no babies come. And what hit me in the first service, it just tore me up, Amy. I, my pastor, every time he talks about his five kids, it's like a knife in my heart. Because he has said from the platform, kind of like a joke, that, yeah, I was going to have all the kids out of my house at 46, and now with these two new little ones, it's going to be 60-some. And laughed it off. Like, first service, I just wept. I'll just be honest. Can I tell you I'm sorry? If, if it ever came across that way, I'm so, so sorry. Never even thought of that until the Spirit of the Lord in that first service just slammed me. That there are people hungry. And they compare themselves to other families that have so many maybe. And they just want one. Man, I didn't do this in the first service. But I'm going to do it right now. Can we just pray, Jesus, for families hungry to have children, pave the way. Father, for some of those children, they will be born through their womb. Some will be born through another person's womb. But God, pave the way. If that's their heart's desire to bring forth that child that you've so uniquely designed for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew. All right, so not to get so, so heavy, but that's a heavy thought. But when it comes down to it, life is, heavy. life is heavy. Amen. And when it comes down to it, life is 10% of what happens to you and about 90% of how you respond to what happens to you. And so when it comes to this idea of comparing, man, we've got to be careful. 
Because life is coming at you, and your response means everything. The Apostle Paul was so good at responding to life circumstances with Christ-like perspective. And so here's what it says here in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. This is the last part of that verse we read. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The secret of a contentment, it's not found in what I have, and it's not found in what I don't have. It's not found in who I'm connected with or I'm not connected with. It's not found in any of that. It's all found in Christ, in Christ alone. It's the only place you can find true, lasting contentment. You will always battle with discontentment until you get your eyes off other people. You will always battle with discontentment until you can get your eyes off your stuff, yourself and your situation. You will only be able to be victorious when it comes to discontentment when you get your eyes on Jesus. When you get your eyes on him, man, that's the place, that's the place to start. And so there's two things that we need Christ's strength. Didn't it say I can do all things through him who strengthens me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's two things that we need God to strengthen us in in order to get past, and that is envy and discontentment. We need to get past those things, envy and discontentment, and there's two things that God can strengthen us to do. And the first one is this, kill comparisons. Everybody say that, kill comparisons. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. We're not going to compare ourselves to the mission this person has, to the purpose this person has, to the calling this person has, to the stuff this person has. No, no. We're going to compare ourselves to the influence and grace God has given us. That's where our comparison lies. God, what are you doing in, everybody say, my life. God, what are you doing through me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, it's awesome God does things to other people and, and such, but, but i got to get my eyes on him. Lord, what, what's going on here and out? Not what's going on there and out. And then I walk in comparison. If I'm not careful, that'll do a few things. The problem with that comparison, here's what it does. It leads to, number one, pride, and number two, discontentment. Okay, comparison will lead to that. The idea of discontentment, really, you could kind of say jealousy. Okay, because I really believe jealousy is kind of the, the, I think discontentment is kind of the fruit of jealousy, you know. And so when it comes down to it, with discontentment, here's what happens. You compare yourself to others and you don't measure up and you feel discontent. You compare yourself with others and you don't measure up, you feel jealous of them. Can't you see how that would rob relationships? Can't you see how that would rob joy in the midst of connections that you have? On the other side, it's pride. You compare yourselves to others, and you feel better than them. I'm so glad I'm not like that person. And if we're not careful, that develops pride in us. The problem with pride is this. You will eventually lead to discontentment. And here's why. Because there will always be someone that's just a little better than you. Oops. Oh, I broke my mic. Brand new mic. I just broke it. It's not broken, Jared. I promise. Just the little fuzzy thing. Does that sound okay? Should I put the fuzzy thing back on? 
fuzzy, okay. So when it comes down to it, this idea of pride, eventually it'll lead to discontentment because like I said, there will always be someone that's a little better than you. There's always somebody that'll have just a little bit more than you. There's always, no, I'm going to put that little thing on. There's always somebody that doesn't knock the mic thing off. And it's really an awesome pastor. There. There, that's better. Okay. So there's always, now here's the thing too. Part of that too is just because you're getting older. You may think you have it all figured out, but guess what? You're going to get older. It's cute. Our church, I love it. When we launched 10, 11 years ago, you know, a lot of 30-something. We're in our 40s now, a lot of us. And we have 20-somethings and we have 70-somethings. But a whole lot of us are in our 40s and 50, early 50s and, and, and things hurt now. I'm serious. There's things I will do and I'll be cautious. So I'll think about it. What is that going to make me feel like tomorrow? And um, yesterday I had the opportunity to move Sarah and Corey Welch. And when I showed up, all these wonderful young 20-somethings were there. So proud of you guys. They were awesome. I made my way up the steps one time. And I looked at everything, and I carried a bunch of stuff down. I get downstairs into the moving truck, and I start stacking it in. And then I acted like a professional. And as people start bringing things, I'm like, here, I got this figured out. This goes here. That goes there. I'm really good at this. I'm a master packer. I got this. And, and, um, and so long story short, the whole morning, I went upstairs two more times. That was it. <laughs> I feel incredible today. The last move we helped some church people do, I limped for like two or three days, you know. And, um, and yeah, so, so you, 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 we're all getting older, you know. It just That comparison thing is going to um, fall apart at some point. And um, there's a young man in our church named Hayden. Where are you, Hayden? There he is. Hayden Craig. And Hayden is known for Haydenisms. He comes up with these brilliant little things, little thoughts. And this week, this is what he said to his mom. He said, everyone in life has a purpose. You can't be anyone else because they're already taken. Boom, mind blown. <laughs> Fist bump right there. Oh, brilliance. I felt it. It was awesome. And so, yeah, they're already taken. In James chapter 3, it says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Wow. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. It says this jealousy, this lack of contentment, this ability, this, this natural tendency for us to walk in comparison, it's not just earthly and unspiritual, it's demonic. And it makes sense. One of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. Wouldn't the enemy of our hearts love for us to live a covetous, nice, covetous life all the time comparing and then in the midst of that comparison, I'm better. There's pride, I'm worse, there's envy. You lose on both counts. It doesn't matter. Comparison will always take from you. And so this scripture here is showing that's not the wisdom we walk in. We walk in the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is practical, and it needs to be lived out. That's why we say we should be hearers and doers of the word, right? And so I'm going to give you a little practical doing, okay? If you struggle with comparison, here's some things to stop, and here's some things to start. Let's do the things to stop first. If you struggle with comparison, take a social media break. Can you shout amen? amen. I like Facebook. I do. As a pastor, our church in Ohio is pretty large, and I don't feel as if I have the connection with you guys. Like I, like I, have the con I didn't have the connection I have with you like I did back. <laughs> I'm really not good at this. You guys know what I'm saying. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> 
I know you guys better. I feel that way, you know. I really do. Our church of 400 now, a little over 400, compared to our church of 400 in Ohio, I was starting to lose track, lose relationships. Now, obviously, I'm seeing a lot of your highlight reels, but it's not always like that. We foster authentic relationships here. Can't tell you how many times it'll go from that Facebook element to private message to a phone call and ministry happens. And I love social media because it makes it to where I can pastor. I don't know, I feel like a better shepherd because of it. Does that make sense? All right, cool. Yeah, I enjoy that for that. But there's times you need a break. Now, if you don't take a full break, let's do this. Hide feeds of certain people who trigger jealousy in you. Man, that guy's, ooh, he is skinny and tall. <laughs> Everybody skinny and tall and good looking is just blocked from my Facebook. I'm serious. You look at my Facebook, it's like all like Shrek, every one of us. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. No, no. <laughs> Here's a good one. Here's a good one. Stop ordering magazines. Ross, what do you mean by that? Man, I can remember in my 20s, I'm broke. Barely saved enough to get a motorcycle, a dirt bike. And, and man, I would get the dirt bike magazine. And I lost all contentment. I had the gear from two years ago, and now I want this helmet. And I want them pants. And I want these boots. And just discontentment, discontentment, you know. It may be for you a hunting magazine, you know. It might be Southern Living. My goodness, y'all, if I could just have that. <laughs> Boy, that would make my life perfect. And the people down the street are like, <laughs> bless her heart, <laughs> you know. But, but, yeah, so the magazines can, I mean, just if that's something you struggle with, always vainly needing, needing, wanting, comparing Stop the subscription. Delete shopping apps on your phone. It's like, I need this, I need that. Pinterest, oh, I got to have this, I got to have that. If I can't do that, I can't breathe. And so along that line, stop watching HGTV. Come on, somebody. Here's some for the guys. Don't go to the boat show. If you can't come away from it with a sense of peace, don't go to the boat show. Don't go to the car show. Don't go to the hunting show. If, you, if it triggers in you so much jealousy, ladies, the bridal show. If that's something to wear, you're already married. Don't go to that. <laughs> All right, so that's some things to, um, to stop. Here's some things to start. Celebrate other people's blessings. Your marriage isn't going well, maybe, but you see somebody else's is. And, you, and again, it could be the highlight reel. But when you see it, you're like, oh, I wish my man would, you know. wish my man would drag me into the woods and make me hike and stay in a hammock. <laughs> Drink water from a creek. <laughs> that's, that's some kind of love right here. <laughs> oh. I knew I was going to marry her because when she was 18 and we were, um, we were um, in a canoe, little canoe trip we were all doing, she got in the flats and we were having a, a picnic up here. And she was out there, you know, jean, her pants all rolled up. And she had a crawdad in her fingers. And she's like, look, it's a big one. It's a crawdad. And I was just like, I'm so marrying you. <laughs> I'm serious. She can look like that. And then she loves to fish and be in the woods. And, and oh, so nice. Don't be jealous of that. Don't hate. <laughs> Put down the, the haterade, right? All right. So celebrate others' blessings. Those marriages, be happy for them, you know? Maybe you see somebody that's just went to Fiji, and you're like, oh, I'm taking another year to go to Lake Victoria Campground off of Kellogg Creek Road. Are you kidding me, you know? 
And I say that, and there's people in the room going, I would love to go to Lake Victoria camp, <laughs> Campground. You know, it's, it's all comparative. And so um, um, maybe a friend gets a job, and it's a job you wanted, and now they have it, you know. Listen to this. This is beautiful. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. Whew. You know? Literally, I don't know about this, but being upset about God's blessing on other people, it might just be the reason why he's not blessing you. I don't know, okay? But I want to get my duck in the row, the ducks in the row. You know, if that's something I'm struggling with, it could be. So, Lord, help me to be excited about what God's doing in other people's lives. As we finish, you always battle with discontentment until you can be thankful and celebrate what God is doing to those around you. And so that second thing, first thing is kill comparison. Second thing, cultivate gratitude. Cultivate gratitude. Proverbs 15, 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. When I was at my worst, darkest moments and bitter at God and bitter at everybody, nothing made me happy. And she can tell you I was miserable and she would say this herself. Ross, I wanted to turn and run away from you far, far away. And it would break my heart. And it was true. You know, with it, attitude, personality, jerk. I was so mad at God, so mad at stuff. And it was all about comparison. I would look at other, I had two pastor friends that launched their churches, and from zero to a thousand in three years, both of them did that. Mine, zero to 150 in three years. Both of those pastors had affairs on their wife during that same time. Looking at it, going, God, why? I'm doing it right down here. What in the world? Why me? And those were dark, dark days because I had a dark, dark heart. And so with it, my days were afflicted. They were all evil because my heart was afflicted. And you know what? It got worse and worse and worse. It was years. It was four or five more years of that darkness until I went through stuff that was worse than I ever thought possible. But in the midst of it, God's light started to come. It was the weirdest thing. And I was facing the worst life had brought me, but I started to see that light, and it actually even got worse. But the only thing that changed was my perspective. That 90%, how I responded, began to be responded more in positive ways. When it comes to Solomon, he was the richest man of all time. He said it this way, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Well, that's easy, Ross. He had everything. Yeah, and he missed so much. He, missed, he needed to hear his own word. And so you may say, you know what I have? I know I, I hate my car, though. You know what? If you have a car... You're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. Have you ever seen documentaries of people in other countries? They have legs and bicycles. And they're all just, you know, you don't, you don't know how blessed you are with your little, little whatever it is, you know. Life is crazy busy. Thank God you have all the busyness that you have with work and home and kids and whatever it might be. My house is too small. You have a house. Lose weight. All right. Don't, I, don't, I don't like my job. I don't. That makes the house bigger. I don't like my job, you know. Well, you got a paycheck. Keep that job until you get another job with a different paycheck. But don't, don't quit it and become a burden on a bunch of people when somebody's actually paying you money. That's awesome, right? But it may not be a great job, but it's a job, you know. Maybe, maybe this, I've been at Momentum for a long time and the church is just getting too big. Or maybe, well, the church is just still too small. I don't know. It's just the church. I, man, I don't have a clue. Just find contentment. And as I close again, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so we kill comparison 
and we cultivate gratitude. We gave you this on your way in. Put this on your fridge or something. It's kind of corny, you know. In the first service, I said, it looks like one of the pictures that you would see in high times. And when it came out of my mouth, I was like, well, that's not right at all. No. Highlights. Highlights. Little different. <laughs> this looks like the things you see in high times. Right? But, but it's just two little corny ships, and there's ten differences. Just put it somewhere to make you realize, this is a good-looking little ship. That's a good-looking little ship. You don't need to compare. But put it someplace to make you realize, you know what? It can be a little bit different than your life. It's still good. Your life might be a little different than somebody else. It's good because God is, is good. Amen? Let's pray. Father, bless my friends. Help us to look to you, not to ourselves, not to others, but to look to you for our satisfaction. As we kill comparison, let us be full of gratitude for every little thing. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.